thank you for joining us for episode 33 of Head Start, a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. Um, so we're actually um, recording today's podcast a little different than normal. Uh, it's actually um, Kyle and myself. Woohoo! Yes, the dynamic duo. That's right. Yeah, something like that. Um, and we're actually doing this in in my office as opposed to using all the fancy equipment uh, in in the worship center. So uh, we're excited about being able to do, to do this. As we start today's um, podcast, I want to look at uh, something that happened this past Sunday, the 21st. I want to celebrate uh, the fact that uh, we've started an, a new adult life group at 1045. And I want to say thank you to Alan Miller in uh, his leadership that he's provided for his life group, uh, which was the Miller Doherty group, and how this past Sunday uh, is now the Miller Thornbrew and Doherty Robertson groups. So just celebrating these fellas, uh, Ken Thornbrew, who's come alongside Alan to be his new co-leader. And how uh, Brent has stepped out uh, with Greg Robertson, and they'll be uh, leading this new group that'll be meeting uh, in the loft in the chapel on Sunday mornings at 1045. And so really excited about this new group and appreciate them uh, stepping out in creating an environment where we can reach more people. So sort of a question that we have. So why? Why, why would we start new groups? Uh, why is that important? And so just some real quick uh, little nuggets of information. More groups can reach and care for more people, right? Just I just believe that, that more groups can reach and care for more people. More groups can enlist, train, and mobilize more leaders. One of the things we've got to get better at is developing leaders from within our church, from within our life group leaders. And when we have those, uh, we have more groups, we have uh, a greater ability to enlist, train, and mobilize more leaders. And then next, more leaders trained and serving can better can be better prepared to serve in the church beyond life group and in the community, which leads to Point number four, greater gospel impact. That's that's our aim. We want to impact our community with the gospel. And as we start more groups, we start new groups, it gives us greater capacity to do all of those things. So, again, thank you to these fellas, these leaders, uh, and we're really looking forward to as this new group uh, uh, gets its feet underneath them uh, and in, in the future to see another group coming out of that group. Uh, so those are some exciting days that I'm really looking forward to. So now uh, our conversation beyond that uh, today is we want to look at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 37. And so Kyle uh, is going to walk us through this passage of Scripture today. Yeah, and thank you, Matt. And and I'll say before I get into the passage that those uh, reasons for starting new groups, uh, I have personally seen and experienced in my own life uh, the benefit of being able to multiply groups, having been in groups that sometimes were too big uh, to be able to adequately care for people, and then uh, also seeing new leaders uh, raised up in the process of multiplying groups. Uh, certainly just want to echo what Matt has said have seen very much the benefit to that. So um, as we look at the passage for this week, uh, we are focusing in on the measure of being a helper who gives generously. And we turn to Acts chapter 4, 
And this is obviously in the very beginning of the church uh, age. And, and so uh, it says that um, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. Um, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Um, there's a unity here that is very, very visible. It's made visible in their generosity toward one another. Now, these were thousands of people. Uh, when you look through Acts in the early church, you see um, 3,000 people coming to faith, 5,000 people coming to faith. So when you're reading this, this is not just a little handful of believers that were one. This is many thousands of people yeah. who are unified uh, in their uh, commitment to the gospel and to one another. And so you can imagine how difficult and almost impossible it is to get more than two people agreeing sure. on anything, let alone thousands of people. And yet that's the work of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives. They're being changed by the gospel. And one of the expressions of that change is their unity. And the text says they were of one heart and soul. In the original language, it, it actually reads, and, and their heart and soul were one. And it's just emphasizing uh, by placing that word one at the end of the sentence, it's emphasizing just that unity there. And that unity is a commitment to one another, but it's also made visible in that everyone was saying, hey, the things that belong to me, they don't ultimately belong to me. They belong to anyone here that is in need. Uh, and I'm voluntarily, willingly giving them up for the needs of those around me. And so that, that unity that we know is in their heart and is in their mind is actually expressed in their actions. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great picture uh, of the gospel. And this actually so clearly uh, leads into the measures moment, right? When we can look at one of our measures, uh, our the marks of a disciple, the roles of a disciple uh, that we've identified at Liberty to be a, a helper who gives generously. So obviously that that mark, that measure, that role uh, is is plucked straight out of Scripture, and we can see that here in, in the curriculum, in the little measures moment box. It reads, as helpers, we should prioritize the Lord and the needs of others above others other above our material possessions now I, i'll just be straight up that doesn't it's not always natural it's not always easy uh, but it certainly is a discipline that is so clear we see that here in in acts we see it also in philippians where we're to consider the others others is more important than ourselves uh, and so just a, a very clear uh, expectation of scripture in, in something as a believer, as we're growing in those marks of a disciple, uh, that this should be evident in our life. Uh, we can look also at uh, that first question on page uh, 3333 in the curriculum. How does the way you regard your possessions either bring glory to God or fail to do so? Your stuff, our stuff. How closely do we hold it? Or do we worship? Certainly not intentionally, but our actions and our attitudes and our hearts would certainly scream that's what we do sometimes. Uh, so how closely are we holding our possessions? And what a great picture that we see here in Scripture 
where these these folks their hearts were in were unified for the sake of making much of the gospel, not making much of themselves or their possessions, but to make much of the gospel. And so, just a really great question to be able to uh, to pose to your group and, and allow some time for that question to to breathe and allow the group to have conversation around that. So. That's good. And as you continue through the passage, you see that this uh, unity and this generosity was not this one-time outpouring of generosity from these believers as if they started this way uh, or maybe had you know, a revival weekend and there was generosity, kind of a flash in the pan kind of thing, and then it faded back to what was normal. Uh, no, the, the language here is, is really speaking of this was a continual, this was a consistent thing that was happening among the believers. And that was happening as the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was as the gospel was being proclaimed, this was not only causing them or being used by God to cause them to be generous, it was fueling them consistently continuing to be generous. Yeah. So how do you not only start to be a genuine, generous person by fixing your eyes on Jesus, how, but how do you continue to, to grow in generosity by fixing your eyes on, on Jesus? And so as they did that, uh, verse 34, just a beautiful picture. There was not a needy person among them. Mm. Thousands of people in this day and age, um, and among those thousands, the generosity was so much a part of this community of believers that there wasn't one needy person among them. It says, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it's just this idea of uh, not only was this community uh, generous, they also knew one another. Um, how do you know if somebody is needy if you're not involved with that community of believers. Well, this really points to the intimacy of these believers being able to know, okay, such and such person has this need and being willing to uh, even sacrifice, even sell in order to provide for those needs. Now, this is describing what was happening. This is not saying that every single person needs to or must sell everything sure. for uh, the sake of the gospel. There's no prescription here, except that it is a prescription that we be generous and that we care for our, our, believer, uh, our fellow believers. What that looks like in any given situation is not said expl explicitly here in this text. Sometimes if you if uh, you know you read of Jesus challenging the rich young ruler to sell all his possessions, some will twist that and say, well, that's what every person should do. Sure. Well, that's not what's being called for here. Instead, it's that general spirit of, of being generous and yes, being willing to do whatever it needs to whatever's needed to meet the needs of your fellow believers. Um, but you don't have the apostles going, all right, all of you believers, you need to sell everything. You must do that. No, this was voluntary. This was willing, willingness coming from having treasured Christ and trusting Christ. They said, you know what? These possessions, they ultimately belong to Jesus. And so I'll give them up for, uh, for uh, his people. This, but their, their generosity was on the heels of 
relational connection. Mm-hmm. It, it, in, in, in our culture today, so much of our relational connection is more like relational disconnection. Absolutely. Uh, because we pull in our driveway, push the button, and the garage door opens, mm-hmm. and then it closes behind us, and we don't engage. And so just our, our need to be intentional mm-hmm. to engage our community, to get, engage our neighbors. Uh, and because of that engagement that we see in this passage, they knew others. Uh, they were they knew where that generosity was, was needed to be deployed right. uh, into uh, two others. Yeah. No, that's good. And then, you know, their generosity extended to the point of giving without attaching strings to their mm-hmm. gifts. Um, wow. They laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. So you didn't have some people coming and saying, well, I'm giving this money, but only for this particular segment of sure. our community. No, it was, here's the money, you do whatever is needed. Mm-hmm. Whoever needs it, gets it, because uh, it's not mine, yeah. and I'm not controlling this, I'm not attaching strings to this. So again, just that open-handed generosity really coming through very, very clearly. Verses 36 and 37, the final parts uh, of this passage highlight um, one of the heroes of scripture, yeah. uh, Barnabas. Here he, here he is introduced. And, you know, the fact that, uh, well, his name is Joseph, but he's called uh, almost as a nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. I mean, what a, what a great nickname. And it just makes you wonder, like, if you got a nickname in the church uh, based on your uh, spiritual walk, what would it be? Yeah. Uh, what would it be? And you, you think about when, when, uh, you, when people walk away from an encounter with me, what, what, what taste is in their mouth, right? Like when people walked away from an encounter with, jo- with, with Joseph Barnabas, they went, oh, man, I feel so encouraged. Yeah. Right? And, and can people, can others say that about myself? Can others say that about us? And well, yeah. I sure do hope so. Right. Uh, but. Well, and the more you read about Barnabas and all the ways that he was generous, not only with his possessions, but with his, his opinions of other people and the way that he was there willing to do whatever it, it was needed to, to help. Uh, you just see this is a man that we're called to to imitate mm-hmm. in, in Scripture in many yeah. ways because he's imitating the heart of Jesus. And uh, that comes through very clearly in uh, the next chapter. If you read on in Acts, you have Barnabas introduced at the end of chapter 4 and then the exact opposite kind of people uh, introduced in chapter five with Ananias and Sapphira. Yeah. So um, Luke, as the writer of Acts, really uh, esteems Barnabas. He's mentioned many times throughout Acts, and here he's introduced as here's an individual that embodies the generosity of those early believers. And so um, just an all-around great passage that really challenges us uh, that if we're going to be known as generous people, then uh, our actions actually have to make that generosity visible. Yeah, for sure. That's good. So, well, uh, I appreciate you walking us through that passage of Scripture. Uh, we need to look at our uh, live it out. We want to be sure to uh, spend time and in, in, in invest. And not just, hey, this is, we want to we 
you know, look at a really cool story in the Bible, but how does this, uh, how does this passage of scripture impact the way that we live out our faith? Uh, so let's remember our live it out challenge. Yeah. So the live it outs, um, you've got the first one that's telling us, Hey, you need to evaluate your life and identify ways that you've not been a cheerful or willing giver. Uh, but in doing that, then the second one comes behind it and says, well, how do you need to trust the Lord with your material possessions or other resources to become more generous? So it's really uh, challenging us to go, all right, we need to reevaluate our life. See, are we actually making visible the generosity that is supposed to mark our lives? If not, well, we need to make some changes. And if we already are, is there a way to uh, push forward and grow in that generosity. So the goal here is that we're living based on a standard and, and not a standard uh, that we grew up with because that was our family standard, yeah. not a standard based on what a denomination says, but a standard based on what God's word says. There's our standard. Yeah. Uh, and so as believers, as disciple makers, as we lead our groups, uh, let's encourage them, urge them, nudge them uh, to apply the truths of God's word to their lives. And we can do that through the live it out. Yeah. And, and as you're doing the live it out, don't simplify this to mean, okay, well, I just need to give more. That's, that's what this live it out is about. No, it, it's saying it, it could be that it, it could be that in your, in your life, but it also um, is saying, Hey, identify ways that you've not been a cheerful or willing giver. So there's heart work that's supposed to be there again from the passage. This is voluntary. This is willing. This is gladly. Um, even if you are generous with your finances, is your heart generous yeah. in that? And so the live it out is a lot bigger than just, uh, amounts. Uh, and, and so, uh, allow, Allow your people in the group um, just the opportunity to do some heart work in that as well. That's good. That's good. Okay, well, we've got a, a couple of events that are coming up uh, in the church, and we want to keep those in front of you, our leaders, so that you can speak clearly and concisely with your group about these things. So a couple of those. The first one is? E-groups. So Winter Storm 2024 uh, this past week uh, interrupted our schedule for e-groups, and so we did not get to begin last Wednesday, but they will begin this coming Wednesday, the 24th, and so uh, you can go online, see the classes that are offered. It gives you one more week to... Uh, encourage your people to be there and so want to invite you to be a part of that you can register online you can register for meals as well so definitely want you to do that uh, the second uh, announcement for today is the leadership gathering that will be coming up this next weekend the 28th the next sunday the 28th uh, at three o'clock and so in that uh, leadership gathering we uh, really want to see all of you there, and we're going to be uh, sharing what God has been doing through the life of liberty and also where uh, he may be leading us. And so certainly want to invite you to be there. You should have received an email from Miss Linda in the front office uh, and just need you to RSVP with that. If you did not receive an email, we still need you to RSVP. Maybe give a call or, or shoot a text to Miss Linda in the front office. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Good. 
All right. Thank you very much for those reminders. And leaders, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.